Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Like Christians around the world, we begin our Easter morning with this greeting. Welcome, brothers and sisters in Christ. Today is April 4th, 2021, and we rejoice for you to join us at Chapel Under the Oaks. Today we celebrate the High Holy Day of Christendom, the day that changed everything, the day that is the story of our faith. We're going to begin by reading from the Bible two accounts of that first Easter Sunday, when the tomb of Jesus, who had been brutally killed on Friday, was miraculously empty. No, his followers had not stolen his body. He had risen from the dead. He was alive. Here are some stories of his encounters with his disciples that same day. We'll begin first with the Gospel of John, reading from the NIV. John 20, 11 through 31. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Well, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I, I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Well, thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, You know, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, 
Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And now from Luke 24, verses 13 through 32. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said, he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Would you pray with me this Easter morning? Almighty God, my Heavenly Father, 
Make me an instrument of your salvation and sanctification. For these precious people that you've entrusted to my care through this podcast, that through my life and teaching, I may show forth your true and living word. In Jesus' name, amen. In about 4 BC, a baby boy was born in Bethlehem, a city in Judea, southwest of Jerusalem, to a young couple who had arrived in town earlier in the day. From all outward appearances, he was a baby like all other babies, wrinkled and pink, crying for his mother's milk, sleeping at the most inopportune moments, and wide awake when the rest of the world was sleeping. And like most babies, there was a string of visitors to see the new addition, family and friends for sure, but also some local sheep herders and even some out-of-town dignitaries bringing most unusual gifts to welcome the child. After the flurry of his birth, he began to grow up like most children. His family moved around a bit, but eventually returned to their hometown of Nazareth, surrounded by their extended family. The child's father was a stonecutter and a carpenter, so the boy learned to build things with his hands. His parents were also good Jews, so he learned and studied the scriptures. There's even a favorite family story of when he was 12 and missed the call to leave Jerusalem after Passover. He was too involved at the temple, discussing the scriptures with the scribes and teachers. We don't know much about his teenage years or early adulthood, but when he was around 30, he went, like many 30-somethings, to a wedding in a neighboring village with friends and family. Soon after, he began to attract followers. In fact, he left his carpentry and stone cutting behind and began to teach those who would listen how to live a different life, a better life, a life of love. It began to be apparent that this was no ordinary firstborn Jewish son. He did, how should I say this? Well, there's really no other way to put it. He did radical, revolutionary things. He talked to Samaritans, even Samaritan women. He attracted crowds in the thousands and talked about how happy they should be to be poor and how blessed they were to mourn. He talked about going the second mile and turning the other cheek to the Romans who ruled over them. And he talked about love a lot, loving God and loving family, even loving your enemies. Then he began to heal people, even lepers. He brought dying children back to life. The blind could see, the lame could walk. He seemed to have control over everything, even creation. He could calm those nasty storms that would come up on the Sea of Galilee. And his friends reported that he actually walked on the water himself. He talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven as if he had seen those places himself. He dared to speak out against the temple leaders, calling them blind scribes and poor shepherds of Israel. At one point, it seemed that he was the most famous and most popular man in Judea. 
The people welcomed him into Jerusalem for Passover, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They called him their king. That was on a Sunday. But by Friday of that same week, he was dead. His radical, revolutionary words and actions had ultimately led to the temple leaders and Roman authorities working together to have him crucified. A terrible, painful, humiliating death. He was a good man, a gifted teacher, a compassionate healer, a miracle worker, and he was dead. His followers were distraught. They believed in him, in his message, and hoped he would be the one to deliver them from Rome, just like Moses delivered their ancestors from Egypt. But he was dead. And everyone knows death is the end. His story is a great story, an amazing story, even if it ends right there. But if his death is the end of the story, it's no different than many other stories of good people, gifted teachers and healers who speak truth to power and ultimately lose their lives for it. History is full of such men and women. If this is the end of the story, then you and I have no reason to be here today, just as millions of other men and women have no reason to be in a church today. In fact, if this is the end of the story, there are no churches. For if Jesus' story ends on Friday night, he's not worthy of our worship. Our admiration, yes, our honor, maybe our love, but not our worship. For he is just a man. But this is not the end of the story, is it? While the forces of evil in the world rejoiced at what appeared to be a decisive victory, with God in human form dead and buried, God's plan of salvation went on as scheduled. Death could not hold Jesus. He arose from the grave. He lived and more importantly, lives again. And it is his resurrection from the grave, his defeat of death, that is the reason for Easter. It is the reason we are called Christians. We don't worship just a good, compassionate teacher or even a prophet who spoke the truth and taught us how to live and love more fully, but died 2,000 years ago. If that is our story, then we have no story at all. The story of Christianity, the story of Easter, the one life-changing moment that sets Christianity apart from every other world religion is this. Our teacher, our prophet, our savior lives. And because he lives, we live abundantly in the here and now and eternally with him and each other when we die. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. 
Earlier, we read three scripture passages in which this risen, living Jesus appeared to different people after being pronounced dead and placed in a tomb. In truth, he appeared to many people in the weeks following his resurrection, but these are the some of the ones recorded for us in the Gospels. In each encounter, Jesus was recognized differently. When Mary met Jesus outside the empty tomb, she thought he was the gardener until he called her by name. That's all it took. Immediately, she knew he was her savior, Jesus. Later that day, Jesus encountered two of his followers on the road to Emmaus outside of Jerusalem. Not recognizing him and assuming him to be a traveler also, they told him of the crucifixion, the empty tomb, and their disappointment that the one that they thought had been the Messiah had been killed. Patiently, Jesus began to explain things to them, going all the way back to the law and the prophets from the Hebrew scriptures. Later, when he broke bread with them, they recognized him as their savior and realized that it was not just through the breaking of bread that they knew him, but when he opened the scriptures to them. And then, of course, there's Thomas. Good old doubting Thomas. <laughs> A bad rap for Thomas, in my opinion. He just wanted some proof. Perhaps he didn't want to get his hopes up and have them dashed. Perhaps he was just one of those people who need to see things for themselves. Whatever it was, Jesus did not hesitate to give him the proof he needed. And Thomas never hesitated once he saw the nail prints in Jesus's hands to proclaim Jesus as his savior. Three encounters, three different ways that we come to Jesus. Some of us, like Thomas, need proof. I'm reminded of people like C.S. Lewis and Lee Strobel, avowed atheists who searched for and found the evidence they needed to become not only believers, but defenders of the Christian faith. Some of us, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, find our way to Jesus through the scriptures, a study of the Bible where we find evidence throughout of who Jesus is and the gift of amazing grace he offers to each of us. I'm one of those people. And finally, perhaps the most blessed among us, some of us, like Mary, simply hear Jesus call our name and we say yes to him and all he offers. I believe that these stories tell us that it's okay. However you need to come to Christ, as long as you come. Come as a doubter, seeking proof, like Thomas. Come as a student, seeking wisdom, like the travelers on the road to Emmaus, like me. Come as a seeker, with your heart on fire, listening for Jesus to call your name, like Mary. Just come.
On this Resurrection Sunday, Jesus has offered you a gift, an amazing gift of grace and forgiveness. He has done all that was required of him so that each of us can have the gift of eternal life, both now and forever. And out of his amazing love, he understands that it may take us a while. It took me a while. It may take you a while to accept his invitation, to believe in him as both savior of the world and as your personal savior. He just keeps knocking at the door, hoping you will answer, hoping you will see that he is more than a good man, a gifted teacher, a role model of how to live. He is God-made flesh who lived and died and lives again for one reason and one reason only so that we, his children, so that you, his beloved child, might live with him and with your brothers and sisters forever. It doesn't matter how you come to Jesus or how you come back to Jesus. Just come. This is the story of Easter, and this is the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.